0: Hey, do click follow button for MSME Talk on the platform where you are listening to get notification for the next episode release.
1: companies who are engaged in B2B commerce are not really in the business of moving the goods to the hands of the end consumer. B2B commerce companies are not here to compete with the mom and pop stores. In fact, on the contrary, they are here to enable them, make them stronger, provide them with efficiencies of scale and aggregation. There could be a retailer who places an order for two cases of beverage. However, in a single day, we will have the power of aggregation across 100,000 retailers on our platform and be able to pass the benefit of pricing back to them.
0: This is episode number 13 of MSME Talk on B2B e-commerce with Amit Bansal, CEO of Sol. To get new episode alert from MSME Talk, send hi to WhatsApp number 8097665085. Welcome back to MSME Talk podcast. MSME Talk podcast is for micro, small, medium enterprises, startups, and entrepreneurs in which we discuss with industry experts and experienced entrepreneurs on specific value addition guidance and Solve queries to help build long-lasting businesses. Amit Bansal, CEO of Solve, is an experienced and transformational business leader with over two decades of experience spending e-commerce and retail businesses across the globe. Amit possesses in-depth knowledge of the e-commerce space coupled with expertise across multiple domains such as product development, supply chain, and fintech. Prior to Solve, Amit was a founder CEO of ezmall.com, a pioneer in the video commerce space. Amit has served leadership roles in Flipkart and Reliance Retail. At Flipkart, he launched a large consumer durable business-led category and customer experience design and set up the unit supply chain and service infrastructure. At Reliance Retail, Amit was part of the core leadership team that created history by opening thousands plus new stores in a very short period. Amit is mechanical engineer with MBA from Mike Illich School of Business, Michigan. B2B e-commerce refers to the commercial transaction done between two businesses online. B2B supply chain channel is fast-growing channel today, which businesses cannot ignore. In today's episode, we will learn about how B2B commerce is helpful, how B2B channel is shaping the future and business landscape in India, which all industry segments are making use of it currently. What is B2B e-commerce platform's role in cross-border trades? Apart from this, we will also understand about upcoming B2B e-commerce player, Solve to get better understanding of how B2B e-commerce platforms work and a lot more from none other than CEO of Solve, Amit Bansi. Let me welcome Amit on the show now. A very warm welcome, Amit, on MSME Talk podcast to tell our listeners about B2B e-commerce.
1: Hi, good afternoon, Tripti. Uh, really appreciate that you have me on this podcast and I'm delighted to be here. Thank you so much for the opportunity
0: great so amit we would like to know a little more about your journey and how you are contributing to the msme sector in india
1: so i've been back in india since uh, since 2010 and across uh, my my consumer facing retail development and e-commerce roles at uh, reliance retail flipkart and then my own startup easy mall uh, i have traveled the length and breadth of the country right and and come across thousands and thousands of msmes uh, in our country as how i understand the msme ecosystem in the country there are about 60 million more than 60 million msmes in our country that contribute to only about 30% of the gdp in our country uh, when we compare to some other countries which uh, which are still developing economies uh, these msmes could be contributing upwards of uh, 50% even as high as 80% in some countries right so for our country to be able to hit a $5 trillion economy um, in a few years' time, the contribution of the MSMEs to the economy is going to be pivotal and absolutely essential. So our single most important objective and purpose at Sol is, and my own, is to impact and improve the livelihoods of these 60 million plus MSMEs in the country, right? and And be able to impact them in a way that their contribution to the overall GDP grows over the next few years. And they become a real meaningful part of our economy. So now, uh, how how what is the construct of these MSMEs in our country? About ninety percent or more of the sixty million plus MSMEs in the country are ideally micro and small, not even medium uh, entrepreneurs in our country. They are single operator stores, shops, right? And the classic example that I take is think of a think of a small store that is about a hundred square feet shop, right? Uh, it is run by a single, uh, single owner operator, uh, maybe one helping hand from, from the family, right? So all the decision making right from what to buy, when to buy, uh, arranging credit, you know, uh, taking deliveries of supplies, right? Uh, stocking shelves, cleaning up the store, and then also taking care of the end consumer is all done by that single, single owner operator. And not to mention the, the legal, the compliances, and the accounting uh, that they have to go through, right? So now this is a very small entrepreneur, right? Uh, they have they have a smallish customer base. They have a real small footprint in terms of how much space they have in their store to be able to stock goods. Uh, their ability to order uh, is also small, so they will not never order in bulk. They need real small quantities of supplies very frequently served to them, right? Because the movement of goods within their store is uh, infrequent right so now what that really does is uh, because they order in smaller quantities uh, they may not have access to uh, all brands they may not have access to a wide selection and also they may not have access to great competitive prices right Uh, the second is a lot of these MSMEs are either new to credit right or really low on credit Uh, some of them may not even have a Business PAN card, so they run their stores on their personal PAN card. Right? So the traditional banking ecosystem in our country, right, uh, that deploys a traditional civil score and the bureau score, right, uh, may or may not be able to lend to these uh, to these entrepreneurs. However, uh, that is not to say that they are not willing and able to uh, borrow money and repay. Right. Uh, so that's that's the second problem, and so ability to to buy and compete with the larger players. Second, access to credit. And third, uh, the level of digitization at these stores, the availability of technology is very, very minimal. Uh, it is as limited to to probably a $100, $120 smartphone, which they have access to. Right. Uh, so so that is the ecosystem, uh, as we understand at all of the MSMEs in our country. Right?
0: Great. I mean, you have actually uh, the kind of thought process with which... You and solve is working seems very interesting, which we will try to understand further as we go ahead in the episode. So uh, let's you know start our the discussion on the main topic for the today. What is B two B e commerce and what all it provides? Uh, what kind of with problem it is being solved specifically in India through B two B commerce, considering such a huge landscape in India, and how does this compare globally? Let's take a quick break. MSMEs and startups are looking for various kinds of support and upgrade. Are you a product service provider, expert, advisor, consultant, mentor? For MSMEs and startups, do reach out to MSME Talk to list your business. Check the link in the description.
1: So, uh, Commerce, commerce typically is, uh, as we as we understand, is two parts, right? Uh, it's B two B, where uh, there's a trade happening between two businesses, right? Uh, now this trade could be uh, from a manufacturer to to a distributor, to a wholesaler, and to a last mile retailer. Now this this is what really how our our value chains in India function typically. This is and which we classically call as distribution trade in the country, right? And this is B two B. Uh when the goods move from uh a retailer or a or a modern trade store to the hands of the end consumer, this is what we typically call as B2C, which is business to consumer trade. Right. Uh so I think that the topic for today is to to focus on B2B uh trade. And that's that is what it really is. It's the flow of goods from the manufacturer via the wholesaler distributors to the last mile retailer, uh, goods, services or credit right uh, that's what really uh, b2b entails
0: got it so a uh, is india and outside india b2b e-commerce is very different
1: well if if we compare to uh, developed economies uh, let's say a uh, us where the penetration of modern retail of of big box stores which are typically 100000 200000 square feet stores right uh, there is a there is a massive Aggregation that has already been done uh, over the last uh, three to five decades, right, uh, by by the global retail giants. So, so the penetration of the mom and pop stores, right, over the last four to five decades, has come down drastically over there. So, the flow of goods typically from there is right from a manufacturer down to a big box retail store. That that it's a very short channel of value chain in India. Mom and pop stores or the MSME stores or the last mile retail stores still comprise a significantly large chunk of our B2C trade. And that's how the goods move. And the reason why B2B commerce to the last mile retailers and the MSMEs of the country become exceedingly important. And in my view, the mix of the mom and pop stores and the MSMEs in in our country it will continue to stay uh, for the next.
0: There's no threat to the moms and pop store by this B2B B commerce right?
1: uh not really in fact it's uh, it's the contrary right uh, when when you talk of uh, technology platforms right that are pure marketplaces they they really act as enablers right uh, so so they they are not here to disintermediate and that's why the focus is on uh, business to business and b2b right uh, these companies uh, uh who are engaged in b2b commerce are not really in the business of moving the goods to the hands of the end consumer so to answer your question uh, no b2b commerce companies are not here to uh, compete with the uh, mom and pop stores in fact on the contrary they are here to enable them make them stronger uh, provide them with uh, efficiencies of scale and aggregation
0: got it so next uh, i would like to understand what impact uh, you are witnessing currently and anticipating for future on other channels of supply chain due to b2b commerce
1: well, I think uh, uh, the impact of B two B commerce on the overall value chain and the supply chain systems of of the country is is uh, significantly positive. Uh, I have experienced this firsthand uh, in the month of April, May, June, when when we were when the country was in a state of a significant lockdown and when the mom and pop stores were allowed to open only for the four hours, uh, you know, uh, in the morning six to ten. So the trading window was really four hours. In a day, as compared to typical ten to twelve hour trading trading uh, you know uh, window in a regular working day, uh, it is the B two B commerce companies uh, that really took the lead, right? They reorchestrated their uh, supply chains. You know, uh, we ourselves, for example, reorchestrated orchestrated our entire supply chain to open our hubs at two AM, right? So that the, the the end retailer can be served uh, by five AM in the morning, so that as by the time they open their store, they are ready to conduct business, right? So I, I think it's a it's a significantly positive impact, and it safeguards the mom and pop stores against any such future disruption. That's one, and and second, a lot of the B two B commerce companies uh, they will pick orders from, um, you know, a very large set of retailers, and the power of aggregation and scale allows the B two B commerce companies to be able to pass on the benefits of price back to the moment of store right so that's another dynamic that's that's helping change the the value chain right uh,
0: okay so you saying margins uh, would improve for the retailers b2b commerce is used
1: their their competitiveness of pricing uh, will improve to the consumer and their trade should improve yes
0: Okay. So what impact is there on the other channels, for example, stockist or wholesalers, dealers, which are there in between the large companies and the retailers?
1: So in fact, uh, it, it's quite a positive impact. Uh, uh, there, there are two kinds of models uh, out in the market. Uh, B2B commerce companies, there are certain ones who will buy inventory directly from the manufacturer and uh, there are marketplaces who do not take ownership of uh, goods of inventory, right? Uh, so when it comes to the marketplaces, the focus is to digitize trade, to add convenience to both the seller and the buyer, right? And cause all of this uh, benefit to both sides of the equation without causing any disruption, right? So in in fact, over the last uh, little while, the conversations that we've had with the entire seller and the buyer ecosystem is fairly positive uh, given given the marketplace construct and, uh, the you know, the focus on non-disintermediation.
0: Okay. So, if suppose I'm a stockist of, say, HUL, would I be uh, able to use B2B B commerce for my benefits?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's-
0: so, uh, do you see uh, retailers and stockists both competing on B2B e-commerce platform? I mean, both are placed as peers rather than, a, you know, back-to-back in a normal scenario as the buyers on the P2C platform?
1: Well, typically t- typically the use the use case uh, for a wholesaler distributor and stockist is most of the times they, uh, they will move goods in bulk, right? So if it's a case of beverages, they'll move, you know, case of 12, case of 24, right? But the construct of a retail mom-and-pop store is that when a consumer comes and buys from them, the consumer will buy one or two bottles, right? So essentially, they are not competing with each other. Their their business models are different. The kind of pack sizes they move and their their thought process is very and their consumer segments are very different as well.
0: So, how much market share is captured now by B two B commerce channel in India?
1: There, there are different numbers uh, depending on which report you look at, but uh, it's it's no more than one to two percent, right? We're still really scratching the surface of of the massive, massive B2B e-commerce opportunity in the country.
0: Okay, so we are having huge scope for capturing the offline market. That's correct. So what are industry and segments are using B2B B commerce prominently currently and uh, how we are seeing the future look like for other industries?
1: Well, uh, a lot of volume-traded segments, uh, namely uh fmcg which is both food and non food grocery right which is one of the largest retail segments in our country uh and the and the basis for largest consumer spends uh is seeing a, a really phenomenal traction there uh which is which is really the end consumer for b2b companies is the mom and pop the neighborhood kirana store uh now for both food and non food categories we are also seeing uh a really unique segment come up uh, post the COVID is the Hureka, which we call as hotel, restaurant, and caterers, right? Uh, so, so they're deriving great deal of benefit from B two B commerce companies because because uh, a B two B commerce company is able to offer a one stop solution for all the diverse needs uh, of a of a horeca uh, customer, right? Uh, other than that. Uh, fragmented categories where the the skew selection the design um, and the tastes of every city are different uh, example apparel footwear uh, home furnishing bed and bath are seeing real good traction from tier 2 to tier 3 towns uh, in the country uh, consumer electronics is seeing great traction in these categories
0: how uh, consumer durable and what about the paint industry
1: so a consumer would replace their consumer durables in about five, eight, or ten years, right? Uh, where we are seeing a large traction in B two B commerce platforms is in really fast traded and frequently bought items, which is largely food, grocery, apparel, home furnishing, and fast moving consumer electronics, right? Um, in the less frequently traded categories, uh, I-, I think uh, the ecosystem is yet to evolve. Well, the paint industry is uh, is a is a fairly uh, organized sector so this is something that is evolving with the with the industrial goods and the the construction Uh, a very large part of the of the paint industry right Uh, as i understand is really non non non-b2c you know or it's it's a very commercial segment so i think uh, that will take time to evolve
0: So, are these platforms across international geographies, uh, I mean, the B2B e-commerce platform which are present currently, and what are some challenges with cross-border trade these B2B e-commerce platforms solve?
1: So, uh, the B2B commerce companies, uh, the ones that are really prominent in India, the the India market is so diverse, so vibrant and large, right? Uh, I believe a very large chunk of the players are focused in on solving for the domestic market. There are some industrial players in the segment who have moved to uh, a few other geographies which are which are quite similar uh, to India, right? Now, that said, countries like Kenya, Ghana, Malaysia, uh, Vietnam, right, that have a very, very vibrant uh, and a large and a distributed MSME ecosystem, which, which kind of is fairly similar to India, right? Um, we are, seeing, uh, of B2B we are seeing emergence of B2B commerce companies out there. Even in countries like countries like Mexico and Argentina, we are seeing emergence of B2B commerce companies because the landscape of the MSMEs uh, is, is fairly similar to that of India.
0: Uh, but how about cross-border trades like other uh, suppliers from India can use these platforms to export? Let's take a quick break. Hey, MSME Talk listeners. Hope you have not missed subscribing to our newsletter for the latest news, blogs, podcast updates. Check the link in the description. We don't spam your inbox, and hence, we do have one of the highest rate of newsletter opening in the industry.
1: Uh, So the B2B commerce platform as they exist are are typically, uh, the larger ones, are typically solving for within one country. Um, as as these platforms evolve from one country to the other, uh, I, I think cross-border will be a natural progression uh, for that.
0: Okay. Are we seeing as of now present in India, in any Indian B2B e-commerce platform doing this? Uh,
1: to my knowledge, uh, the larger ones, uh, I'm not sure are solving for... Uh, for b2b commerce uh, that is cross border
0: maybe maybe for import the international platform might be solving for the import options
1: that's correct that's correct
0: so how many players are there currently in india say um, broadly above 500 crore gmv and uh, what is the structure of these players are these niche platforms or available for all products uh, for example oran is a horizontal player and business is a vertical player
1: so, I think the B2B, the B2B commerce uh, segment is, is typically about, you know, I'd classify them into two or three. Uh, the early ones were pure uh, classifieds or, or yellow pages, you know, where, which offered uh, both the seller, which offered a listing of products, you know, a great search and discovery platform uh, for buyers, you know, and sellers to come on board without the fulfillment capabilities, right? Uh, as the supply chain ecosystem in India evolved with the advent of B2C commerce, right, this gave way to full-stack players who would uh, do both search discovery for sell side and buy side, and also, you know, uh, add a fulfillment layer on top, right. Uh, and as this so- got solved, right, uh, the the next uh, the solve point was how do we get credit? Uh, how how do we get inclusiveness of credit uh, for the MSME customers, right? So another uh, stack of players whose uh, who's completely horizontal in terms of number of categories they operate in. Uh, they're a full-start fulfillment solution along with uh, offering credit, right? And uh, we're also seeing emergence of uh, emergence of vertical, vertically focused players. you know, uh, some that are focused only on groceries, some that are focused only on on soft lines like barrel home furnishing.
0: And uh, approximately how many broadly we see B2B e commerce market in India? How many players would be there in it?
1: I would say that there will be about 3 to 5 a large ones.
0: Okay, so they would be covering 80% of the market of B2B. That's correct. So, uh, are we saying that B2B e-commerce platform is going to reduce the need of physical exhibition of some of the products?
1: Okay, uh, it's a it's an interesting question. I, I could probably I could probably take a different route to answering this question. If you take the example of... of Home furnishing—it's a category that we do at Sol, right? Uh, and the kinds of the, the the names of the towns that we serve, for example, Murshidabad in West Bengal, Koda in Orissa, Bilaspur in Chhattisgarh, Muzaffarpur in Bihar, Kumarghat in Tripura. Right? These are thousands and thousands of kilometers away from the the core manufacturing belts of uh, of bed sheets and and blankets, which are typically Panipat, Ahmedabad, uh, Jaipur. Kiripur, right. So the the smaller retailers in these cities are just way too small to be able to invest money in travel, boarding, lodging. You know, shut their shop for a few days and be able to travel to major cities for the purpose of an exhibition. So so what we're seeing happening is the B two B marketplaces are really taking the products digitally and via the field force to the doorstep of these MSMEs and mom and pop stores. Right. Hence. Reducing the need for them to travel to the larger city centers, right, and and hence the whole value prop, the value at uh, to their to their business. On top of that, you know, flexible return and exchange policies, right. So so when the goods are delivered to their doorstep, right, they can check the goods, and then provide us a GRN, which is a good goods receipt notification, right. Uh, and and this further helps build uh, repeat transactions for the B two B platform. Uh, the the other aspect is that uh, given that a lot of B two B B two B commerce players are marketplaces, uh, the ability to offer a range of products from all major manufacturing hubs like Panipat, Ahmedabad, Jaipur, uh, on a mobile phone, regardless of the location of the buyer, right? Again, reduces the need for for these retailers to travel to to major city centers. However, that said. Physical showcases might still be required, especially in uh, specialized segments like heavy machinery, luxury apparel, you know, and fashion segment. But I I feel in high frequency, low ticket size, and commoditized product products that are passing through the B two B commerce channel, um, there is a lot of value add that the B two B commerce players are doing to the to the lives of mom and pop stores.
0: Great. Right. So basically, where the how large volume-based business and high-frequency B two B e-commerce makes a complete sense. Absolutely. So, uh, if you want to, you know, tell the listeners who have not used B two B e-commerce, how you would you tell them that who should be eligible to use B two B e-commerce platform? At what scale they reach their business, they should start using it as a seller.
1: As a seller, well, any any seller uh, who who needs access to new markets, right? Uh, any manufacturer uh, who's who's got a great product, uh, competitive price, and is looking for new markets, new customers, right? I think the B two B commerce uh, platforms offers them a great uh, platform to be able to showcase their product nationally, right? Uh, they could be they could be a chips manufacturer, for example, that is really popular in let's say Bangalore. And they wanted to take their brand of chips or their product uh, nationally uh, or within the state of Karnataka to begin with. right? It, it's a great platform for them to be able to distribute and get instant uh, distribution within the state, within the country. So basically a local brand can go regional, a regional brand can go national, really fast uh, by leveraging the B2B commerce.
0: Okay, so for example, uh, why I'm asking this because uh, our podcast listeners are from micro, small, to medium. Now we know uh, micro, small, medium. There's a huge variation is there. Now, if someone who is listening uh, is falling under the category of a micro and starting a new business, a home entrepreneur, or someone, okay, and she wishes to start, say, tomato ketchup business. So your platform will make sense for her when I mean when, so for example, she reaches a capacity of building say five hundred bottles a month or say five thousand bottles a month.
1: So I, I think uh, that that's a question that that will be very uh, very specific to the use case and the product and the entrepreneur in question, right? Uh, however, what I can tell you is that uh, in in a single city like Bangalore, right, we can we can guess we can get access to about 40000 retail stores
0: got
1: it uh, it answers if, yeah yeah if 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 someone has you know if, even if these stores move one bottle of ketchup a day right they could be moving you know uh, 100000 150000 bottles of ketchup the example that you took in a month right uh, as an entrepreneur once you come onto the platform you'd really want to be at a scale where you're able to leverage uh, the scale and not be able to sort of disappoint the customers and list and then not be able to service them. But yes. I'd say it will be a very specific discussion to the entrepreneur, the product, the kind of category, the kind of geography that they want to be in. Right? Uh, but I would oh, say
0: absolutely right. there,
1: is, there is no real barrier uh, or limitation to scale.
0: Yeah, yeah. There is no barrier or limitation, but there is some where, you know, thought process to even explore. So now uh, we will be moving towards understanding more about your organization Solve since it is into B2B e-commerce and doing a lot of other things. It's really interesting to know the whole paradigm you know you are focusing and the kind of capacity really you are doing for the sector. So let's understand uh, what do you mean by the name of your company you have kept SOLV. What does it mean, and uh, what are your core services, products, and what vision and mission you are carrying?
1: So the the core problem that we, uh, the core customer that we are serving is, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, uh, is the the sixty million plus MSMEs in the country, right? I've already elaborated the kind of challenges uh, you know uh, that they go through uh, for them to be able to scale, right? uh typically in commerce their their biggest challenge is they are small and they continue to be small. So in that sense uh we are a very purpose driven company. Our core purpose, right, a stated core purpose is to impact livelihoods of 60 million plus MSMEs in the country. And that's what uh we are solving for every day uh with a lot of passion. And I guess I guess that's that's how the name came about. Uh solve we are here to solve for the uh, msme in the country right uh, going back to the the biggest uh, problems of the msmes in our country right uh, commerce in itself their ability to buy uh, the right the right selection of product the right type of product the right quality of product at the right price uh, to be delivered at the right time right that itself is a hard problem for them uh, to serve so we follow a three-spoke flywheel model, right? Uh, so the first problem that we're addressing for the MSME is solving commerce for them by delivering them a, a one-stop shop on their mobile with a large selection of products. Uh, as we speak, in grocery alone, we have about 30,000 plus SKU, And, uh, you know, in fashion alone, we have about 25,000 plus SKU. So we're delivering a large uh, selection to them uh, in terms of cataloging on day one, uh, uh tested quality products uh, competitive prices now they could be there could be a retailer who places an order for uh, two cases of beverage right however in a single day we will have the power of aggregation across 100000 retailers on our platform right uh, and be able to pass the benefit of pricing back to them right so the the fact that they are small doesn't have to be a, a disadvantage to them as a platform solve comes in and adds value, right? Uh, and strengthens their business, right? So that is commerce. We offer doorstep delivery to them. Uh, all payment payment options, whether they want to pay in cash, uh, if they want to pay UPI, wallet, credit, debit. Yeah, so that is one. A lot of, uh, in fact, a majority of our customers uh, that we see are either new to credit or they have a low credit score. A lot of them, like I said before, they may not even have a business plan. Right? So for them to be able to get access to credit via formal banking channels is very difficult because uh, the formal banking channel de- deploys really traditional modes of uh, a- assessing credit. So we offer credit to them as a second spoke in our flywheel, right? Again, availability of credit in critical times helps them grow their business. They are able to buy more products uh not having out of stock situations when a customer walks up to their small shop, right, and be able to turn their business over. The third part we which I call is convenience is really about digitizing, digitizing their inventory management, digitizing what to buy, when to buy. Right now in their store, all of their inventory, what is in stock or not in stock, or how fast or slow some goods are moving, how many days on stock forward looking do they have is completely either either written on a piece of paper or at best, and in, in, the, in the head of the entrepreneur. So we are working on solutions for 2022, where we'll be able to offer these digital solutions, which are really convenient for them uh, to be able to improve uh, and get more insights into their business.
0: That's pretty good. Uh, you are actually taking care of the entire chain one by one, the problem you're solving for the so. Please tell us uh, your target segment you know, in terms of business sizes, geography, industry, or are you looking for credit scores, or yeah. filtering, some other filters you are using to onboard?
1: Sol went live as an MVP uh, in the month of September 2020, and we started with Bangalore as a city. Uh, Bangalore was our first launch, and then we, since then, we've launched uh, the NCR Delhi, uh, Hyderabad, Chennai, and now. We operate in 20 plus cities, right? Uh, the first category that we started, category of customers that we started was the Kirana, the neighborhood mom and pop stores. Uh, and we continue to serve the Kirana even in the peak of the pandemic in April and May, when when the entire country was shut down supply chains uh, were completely disrupted. We ensured at Sol that even when the Kirana started operating six to ten in the morning, we completely reorchestrated our supply chains to to open at two a.m. so that we continued serving our our core customer and did not let their business get disrupted. So we would deliver before six a.m. so that they could serve their B2C customer uh, in the time of six to ten. So so Kirana is one large part where we sell a lot of uh, grocery food, FMCG and non-food FMCG. That's one. Uh, with the bearing of the pandemic uh, we we are seeing a really very interesting segment emerge uh, which i mentioned before is the horeca segment hotels small restaurants bakeries cafes caterers right uh, the the advantage for them is that their needs are very diverse they will buy carbohydrates they'll buy fats oils you know uh, you know cutlery linen a bunch of other stuff right so as a b2b marketplace platform we are able to offer them a one stop solution so that the entrepreneur that runs the bakery or the restaurant or the cafe can focus on running their business and taking care of their customers, right? And the third category that we are really uh, building up really well is uh, small consumer electronics. Uh, what we're typically finding is that a lot of imports from China uh, come to, come to, Either a Bombay, Delhi, or a Bangalore, right? But when it comes to tier two, tier three, tier two and three cities, the access to uh, small consumer electronics uh, is is limited. They have to really travel or or get the goods from from Delhi, Bangalore, uh, to a large extent. So that's that's a great solve that we're doing. And as we speak, we over the last three months we've also launched apparel, home furnishing, which is uh, largely bed and bath. The next year, we are looking forward to expand to uh, fresh, which is fruits and vegetables, uh, footwear, uh, and also refurbished uh, small consumer electronics.
0: How are you using other filters when, you know, any client is trying to register on your platform, whether as a buyer category or a seller category? Is there some something like their ticket size, their turnover categories?
1: so we are uh, we are a very democratic platform we do not filter our buyers uh, by by the size right uh, so it's it's very easy for a buyer to come on board actually just download the app it's a otp based verification and you have to upload a set of documents that are a business proof uh, validation right uh, and that's about it as long as we are able to verify that you are a real business uh, and not a b2c customer uh, to comply with the law of the land uh, we are absolutely open to uh, onboarding any customer.
0: What about the seller side?
1: So uh, the seller side is a little bit more curated uh, because we want to offer the best uh, experience, the selection, uh, product and pricing to our end consumer, right? So because we know our uh, our local markets well, uh, what sells there, what, what doesn't, you know, what is the demand? What are the demand gaps in terms of product and pricing? We are able to backtrack uh, to the manufacturing hubs uh, do our homework there. Uh, do a lot of curation. So uh, what we really do not want to do is just have an open uh, onboarding of sellers and then be able to not give the best experience to the buyers. Right. So, so our sellers are pre-screened basis uh, the product selection, the gaps in the market, um, and a few quality tests that we do, and that that actually delivers a great element of trust to our buyers.
0: Great. So. Um now you are solving in one way uh, product discovery product buying and then delivery of the products that's correct right and then next level comes where the credit requirement comes yeah if there is any shortfall and the fifth uh, level which is going to we will see in 2022 is of your inventory management that's correct I hope I have not missed anything in the value chain you are providing.
1: Absolutely, uh, you you've summarized it quite well, actually.
0: So now let's move ahead. Uh, you were just mentioning that uh, you have an app, Android-based app, uh, which can be used to register it and start using the platform. So you are not uh, available on website.
1: Well, yeah. Again, it goes back to really understanding our target customer, right? If you if you look at a Kirana or or a small store that, that sells apparel or home furnishing or small electronics, right? Uh, you can safely say that majority of these MSME retailers are mobile first. In fact, I would I would go to the extent of saying that they are mobile only, right? It is it is highly improbable that you walk up to a kirana that they will have a desktop or a laptop at their disposal. Likewise for a home furnishing or apparel or a consumer electronics retailer. So we know our we, we know our customer and everything that we do is with the mobile first thinking and a very large uh, part of of this uh, ecosystem is largely on android so the reason why uh, our consumer platform is largely mobile on android now when when we look at the seller ecosystem uh, they are slightly larger uh, players like a wholesaler a distributor where they might have a dedicated accountant, you know, they may have few people running their office, right? Then that's that's the side of our platform that really warrants a desktop use case. So for them, we have a seller panel, right, uh, that is available on desktop, yeah. where uh, where their accountant can, uh, you know, uh, they can catalog, they can they can make, see what what inventories they're carrying, what not and uh, what sales have they made on a daily basis what is the status of their order and even uh, to the end of accounting uh, their payments and reconciliation of invoices
0: uh, we have right now discussed the five level of services which you are providing the problem you are solving for the uh, your target segment now what are different other supports these entrepreneurs can expect from your platform
1: we uh, we in that sense uh tripti are a, are a full stack uh, technology platform right it starts Right, the help starts right from onboarding. Uh, uh, a buyer or a seller may choose to self onboard. However, if if they have difficulty uh, or they need hand holding, we have a call center that's dedicated to them. They can reach out to us via phone, and we also have uh, you know almost a thousand people on ground uh, across different cities, uh, both on sire, uh, seller and the buyer side, for them to be able to uh, be reached out and. Uh, make a trip, make a relationship, guide them through the whole onboarding process. The second is cataloging, right? Because we are a platform of trust, uh, we really want to ensure that the products for the sellers are done justice to. You, right? So we do we do cataloging for them. And from a buyer's perspective, we want to make sure that the, the cataloging is the right representation of the product and doesn't under or over promise. So that's one. Online store creation. Uh, sellers can come on our platform, have banners created, advertise their product, you know, on the homepage, that's uh, for the buyers because we are a pure marketplace platform. We do not take ownership of uh, goods of inventory. Our ability to onboard a lot of sellers and be able to offer a wider selection to our buyer base, so that's that's another uh, uh, another benefit. As we aggregate the orders as a marketplace platform, we are able to pass on the benefit of uh, aggregation of prices to them. Uh, on demand, those type delivery, of course right from next day to day two to day three delivery for our customers. Various payment options right across from cash and delivery to credit, debit, UPI, right, and working capital finance. And finally for the sellers, uh, the reason they choose to stick with us and happy with us is Mm. all our payments get settled uh, by uh, day two, day three. Super fast payments back to the sellers and uh, it's a convenient account reconciliation with our sellers as well.
0: Okay, so for sellers, uh, if someone wants to onboard and uh, want help from your customer care in setting up the store, your platform will provide that, or the seller has to manage entire making of their online store on your platform themselves.
1: Like I said at the beginning, cataloging, online storefront creation is a is a is a service that we uh, provide to the sellers, and we handhold them, and we do it for them.
0: Okay, so seller doesn't need to spend time on this, basically.
1: That's correct. That's correct.
0: They can provide the raw images and information and data, and then rest of the things your team takes care of.
1: That absolutely, and and as we as the seller matures, uh, once they get the hang of the platform, they can manage their own store.
0: As of now, how many clients? And types of businesses have
1: got registered on your platform. Some ballpark figure. So at Solve, we take verified onboarding quite seriously because every single buyer, retailer that we onboard on our platform is KYC verified. We know that there is a proper entrepreneur running a retail store. All right. And it's not a B2C customer just downloading the app. Uh, We have... Now, as we speak, about 120,000 plus uh, KYC verified retailers registered on our platform.
0: Okay, that's interesting. And what about the seller side?
1: Seller side, we have about uh, 5,000 plus sellers.
0: So now, uh, there's something called Salt Score, which is mentioned on your website. What
1: is this about? Like I said at the beginning of the podcast, the one big gap in our country uh, for the MSM is credit. And the genesis of it is not a lack of liquidity. There is a 300 billion USD credit gap in our country, which is not really a function of lack of liquidity in the system. It is a function of the traditional underwriting practices that are that are available today. A large part of these MSMEs are new to credit or have a low credit score, or a lot of them may not even have a business bank card like this. So SaltScore aims at uh, building inclusiveness in credit Uh, and how we do that it's an alternate credit scoring model that we have built uh, in india for the msmes of the country right think of it as a as a pseudo bureau score for the msmes who are low on credit
0: so uh, basically you are creating that score and based on that credit score you are providing credit to them that's correct. So how this score is calculated and what comes under a traditional data, alternate data, platform data? Are all these uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning driven? I mean, i am got these uh, nomenclatures from your website
1: so uh, SaltScore uses a variety of alternate data points right and and what are the alternate data points for example transaction data on our platform when when a retailer buys on our platform we know how much are they buying how frequently are they buying uh, are they buying 5 times a month are they buying only once a month in the last 90 days or 180 days 6 months how many times have they bought from us what is the value of goods that they are buying even small things like are they buying branded versus non-branded goods, right? It tells us a lot about the catchment area that they operate in, which effectively is a surrogate for their willingness and ability to pay. The first data point for alternate data is transaction data. Uh, There is also uh, another score that we've developed with a few partners of ours is the SMS score, their social score, uh, litigation data. So these are all the alternate data. Uh, that we combine along with the traditional underwriting data sets, which is typically your GST uh, returns, you know, bank statements and income tax returns.
0: What is this SMS data which you just mentioned?
1: So typically uh, on on our mobile phones, we get uh, get SMSs from, from our bank or let's say if you recharge uh, X rupees on, on your wallet, or if you spent X rupees on your wallet, right? Uh, a lot of times what can happen is this information can act as a surrogate to getting access to a tedious physical bank statement.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: for all the customers that, uh, that download our app on their mobile phone, right? We ask for a permission to be able to read the SMS data and process it and use the S- SMS data in form of an SMS score for their own benefit to be able to offer use as an input into the credit rating.
0: So uh, on your website I see their products mentioned in your credit business, short-term working capital and supply chain finance. Yeah. So how uh, what is the unique about Sol's credit offering? I mean these two products are available by other banks also, while you as an e-commerce player are providing these products. Right.
1: I that that's a that's a fantastic question, uh, uh Look how we are different. Is uh, again going back to the problem of the MSME. Right? Uh, we we serve to the underserved, basically. Right? Uh, whether it's a buy now pay later or a supply chain finance program, uh, these are the retailers that are underserved by the traditional banks because uh, these customers again are have low credit or no credit, due to credit uh, on the bureau, traditional bureau. Right. Uh again, just a recap of what we do. We do we deploy alternate uh, data sets, right? Uh, like I mentioned before, to be able to get a credit score for them. On the other side, we have supply partners uh who supply credit, you know, uh large banks like Stanchart Bank, Access Bank, Hero FinCorp, uh Adani Capital, right, Indify, ePay Later to name a few. Right. So we are a classic marketplace, we do not take risk credit risk on our books. Uh, from all the alternate uh, data points, we have created a solve score. We are able to rate uh, the the MSM is on this credit score and be able to pass on the information to the relevant FI partner, who will assess basis their own uh, underwriting capabilities in a com in conjunction with the solve score of solve, and be able to lend to these customers. Now, the difference between buy now pay later and supply chain finance is typically the tenure and the size. Buy now, pay later is, is typically smaller ticket size. Uh, the loan size are in the range of about 50,000 to 1 lakh, right? Uh, the tenure is typically 14 days, right? Uh, supply chain finance, because it's anchor driven, uh, the tenure depending on industry. So for example, if it's mobile phones, the, the typical uh, credit cycle is about 30 days. Uh, if it's agro, agro fee, for example, the credit cycles could be in the range of 60 to 90 days uh the ticket sizes could be anywhere in the range of about 2 to 20 lakhs so that this these are the large differences between buy now pay later and supply chain finance
0: okay and you are covering both your buyers also and supplier also to provide the credit
1: so so both buy now pay later and supply chain finance is typically a buyer finance program we we do not cover the supplier as of now
0: okay and you have tied with the various lenders on this
1: that's correct.
0: What would be the typical tat? Uh,
1: so in buy now we've uh, we've seen as fast as next day, you know, and and there are some cases where we even same day uh, processing. In case of supply chain finance, uh, it could be you know anywhere from seven to fourteen days uh, because the tickets are much larger.
0: If you have multiple lenders available at your platform, how they are encashing their portion? It is like a big system, like. That- Again, a one level, another marketplace for the lenders. Ex-clients are looking at it and whoever comes first takes the opportunity. Or, or
1: yeah, It's a structured marketplace where we know this is the risk appetite of the FI partner. The risk appetite and the rate of interest of the FI partner, the kind of documentation they need, right? Uh, which is already pre-agreed with them. So we know when we assess a retail customer, we know who to give it to, right? Uh, so in that sense, we have a we have a solve score, which feeds into our routing logic, yeah, and this is pre-agreed terms, we will route that case to uh, to the right FI.
0: So thanks, uh, Amit. Now we are going to do the last section of the episode. So this typically uh, we want to hear two types of guidance from you. One, the uh, guidance is from the long-term perspective as a guiding principles for entrepreneurs. And the second one is the hacks, which could be hacks, tips from the short-term perspective or quick or learning something. Uh, these uh, guiding principle hacks are published after every 10 episodes as a consolidation of a previous guest.
1: Correct. Correct. Look, I think, uh, I think I'm, I'm not wise enough to be able to guide people. However, I can share a few long-term things that have worked for me and a few short-term things that have worked for me in the past, right? Uh, I'm not not to say that this will work for everyone, but if if people can benefit, it'll be just fantastic, right? Uh, I'd say in the long run, it's important to have a purpose for an organization. You know, basic questions like, are you solving a real problem? Is the market large enough? So once once you've answered those questions, right, then the, the next port of call is, do you have the right core team, you know, bunch of bunch of people who shares the same passion, right, uh, and the drive to solve that problem, right? I'd say so. That's one. Have a purpose. Uh, it's important to focus on culture, uh, especially in the very early days of a startup, right. At any given point in time, no matter what you're working on, uh, what problem you're trying to solve, there could be ten or twenty other teams in the country, right, trying to solve the same or a similar problem, right. That's a given. So, as a team in the early days, one needs to move really fast, right. So, what what I've found is that candor or direct, the art of direct communication, not not sugarcoating things, uh, helps, right. Uh, the ability to move fast. Uh, Make mistakes is okay, but make mistakes, go back to the drawing board. Correct. Right. Uh, And and keep moving on. Right. Uh, There's a lot of time, uh, you know, uh, one tends to overspend on thinking a lot of strategy. Right. What I've realized over these uh, two decades is that 80 to 90 percent of success is really the ability to execute. Execute well and faster than the rest. Third, I would say it's important to be frugal cut all wasteful wasteful spends however invest in people and lastly i'd say it's important to focus on absolutely be be maniacal about customer and and creating value for the customer and the consumer uh, know the customer once once you create value the valuation will follow
0: great great that's uh, actually i've covered the all the basic principles for the entrepreneurs because sometimes go off the tracks and these things helps in bringing back on the
1: track yeah i'd say in terms of like these are real long term but every day uh, building startups and and solving real world problems is is strenuous laborious it can be taxing right there is so much that one can do as an entrepreneur however i've realized that less is more it's important to focus on a few things that will make a big difference Uh, focus on culture focus on growth focus on customer experience anyway generating revenue Uh, don't get caught up in the minutiae second it's important to manage your time. It's just absolutely, that's the only, only thing. And that comes at a huge premium, right? Uh, color coding my calendar has actually worked for me in the past. It still works. I, I do color code my calendar. Anything strategic is coded blue. Um, uh, cause, cause that's the blue ocean. Any, any of my people time is coded pink. Cause I believe that if, if our people are doing well, then the organization health will be pink, right? Uh, any time with the investors is green. That's the color of the dollar, all the execution meetings uh are gray, uh, which is a reiteration of the fact that gray could be boring, but it's it's super important.
0: What color you gave to our meeting calendar for the podcast today?
1: well uh, this is pink okay because it's all yeah it's all about people right
0: that's interesting
1: so so I think one one look at my my calendar uh tells me by by color code, how much time am I investing on on strategy, people, investors and execution, right? And as your startup matures, right, uh, there has to be a conscious effort to switch between these uh, color codes, which helps me a lot. Finally, uh, early stage startups can be taxing. I'd say uh, the ability to manage stress uh, and pressure is super important. An hour of physical activity, whether you whether you play sports, squash, go to the gym, do whatever, uh, that that works wonders, right? That's one hour that you really devote to your body, nobody else. It's important to have a support system, right? Ask for help. And every time I ask for help, I'm so surprised. There are so many more people willing to help. All you have to do is reach out to them and ask. uh, Take time off. This is something that I personally am a little bit guilty of. It's important to take time off. Every time I take time off, I come back more rejuvenated uh, to to hit the problem harder that we're trying to solve.
0: Great, interesting. In fact, you have summed up a lot of things in our guiding principle and hacks for our listeners. I'm sure it's going to be an interesting one in our collection of guiding principle and hacks we publish every ten episodes. Correct. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Amit, for Thank coming you. on MSME Talk podcast and. Guiding our listeners with a new set of information and knowledge about B2B e-commerce. The players who are not yet registered, and we can see as the market is still only 1 or 2% penetrated in B2B e-commerce, it is a huge opportunity for the buyers and sellers both to encash that. And I would request our listeners to go on Solve website and check it out and see what services they can use, products they can buy, they can sell. Do try it. Thanks a lot, Amit.
1: Thank you very much, Tripti. Thank you for having me.
0: Through this episode, I hope you would have got some answers to your queries and guidance for way forward. Do share your learnings from the episode, your feedbacks and suggestions. If you are an entrepreneur and have questions from experts, or any particular topic or profile of expert you want to hear, or if you are an industry expert with MSME as a target audience, do reach out to us. Our link is given in the description. And at last, please do subscribe for MSME Talk Podcast and don't forget to share the podcast link with your friends, family and network. Take care. Goodbye. To share MSME Talk podcast and the peak ranking chart of 10th country in the Apple Podcast Country Level Entrepreneurship category. If you are an expert or provide product or services to small businesses, MSMEs, and startups, reach out to us to discuss showcase opportunity on MSME Talk. Content details given in description.